Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. Well, it's so good to see all of you this morning and everyone joining us online. I want us to take a look at uh, the epistle of 1 Peter today, chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read just the first two verses here in uh, just uh, a moment. Um, one of the most famous Christian literary works outside the Bible, obviously, uh, one that has stood the test of time, one that has been around for hundreds of years, is The Pilgrim's Progress by Paul Bunyan. It, the Pilgrim's Progress is an allegory. It tells a story about a man named Christian, or whose name has changed to Christian, who starts his journey to the celestial city. The book tells about his travels. It portrays, really, the trek of life that we all go on. And uh, it, it just goes over his different experiences because there, there is ups and downs and, and whatnot. And it's, he's a pilgrim, and he is progressing to the goal. And yes, along the way, there are highs and lows. There's friends and there's enemies. And in the, the story, I mean, Christian does receive help and he does receive guidance along the way. A pilgrim in progress. Well, we real-life Christians, not an allegory, but us Christians, we do receive such guidance as well. Uh, God has not left us alone. He has given us his Holy Spirit. He's also given us his word. We have scripture to help and guide us along the way in our own pilgrim's progress. You know, you might consider, you know, uh, uh, that Scripture is like someone who's going hiking and they have a map or they have an app, they have a guidebook that helps them get to the trail and then remain on the trail. And, And so the Holy Spirit inspired men to record what God wanted us to know and wanted us to hear so that we could be guided, we could get on the right path and then be guided along the journey. So scripture is the field guide for the Christian journey. And among the 66 books that the Holy Spirit inspired, we have Peter's epistle here. Uh, that it is that Peter, yes, Simon Peter, uh, the apostle. And he is guided by the Holy Spirit to give us guidance along the way. Peter writes about getting through this life, going on the journey, going on the pilgrimage, how to, how to do it, with what attitude to do it, the perspective to have in doing it. As we go through, it's really an unfriendly environment, just like in Bunyan's Pilgrim, Pilgrim's Progress. So I want to study this first epistle so that we are encouraged and we're helped and we're guided, guided as we are going on this journey, because that's what we are on. So I called a sermon series, Progressing as Pilgrims. And today's message, I want to look at a pilgrim's portrait. You know, when I, when I talk about a pilgrim, you know, we Americans, we have certain ideas when we use the word pilgrim. Because you use the word pilgrim, you start thinking about them guys with the hats that have the belt buckle on them and, and the ladies with the bonnets and the long dresses, and they're all eating turkey with Native Americans. That is not the kind of pilgrim that I am talking about. 
The word itself, pilgrim, talks about someone who is traveling through a foreign land. And it often has the idea of someone who is making their way to a holy place. What a better word. I mean, there is no better word for Christians. We are people who are traveling through a foreign land until we reach a destination that is the most holy place, the place of the presence of God. The place that Bunyan in his book called the celestial city. And even in the songs that we sang today, until that day, you know, talking about when our eyes behold that city, our destination. And we are helped along the way until that day. I want us to learn how to negotiate this journey, this pilgrimage, in a way that is pleasing to God, in a way that is most honoring to God. But it starts in knowing who we are. And so what I want to look at today is our identity in Christ and how the Bible paints a picture or draws a picture of who we are as pilgrims, what it tells us that a pilgrim is. And we find that it means that, yeah, we are in a foreign land. We're different than the rest of the world, and we're supposed to be that way. And our lives ought to reflect that identity. And so our identity in Christ gives us our identity as pilgrims. But how does that look? Who are we as pilgrims? And then how does that help us with the rest of the journey. Well, I want to look at that as Peter opens up his epistle, starting in verse 1 and verse 2. If you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word, I want to see how that looks. And so Peter writes, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, help us to see who we are, what it really means to be on this pilgrimage and the helps that we have along the way. Lord, as we traverse this foreign land, this hostile land, I, I, I pray that we, we keep our eyes focused on you, that we do not turn to the left or the right and get into trouble. So bless us in this way, Lord, and we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, in two short introductory verses, Peter paints a portrait for us. He shows us who we are in relation to the world, and that's based on who we are in relation to God. So let's consider these strokes of the brush. So let's talk about first this, our relation to the world, the first stroke of the painting, so to speak. We gotta consider the fact that we will not be on this earth forever. We know that our time is short, our stay here is temporary. So knowing that, how are we to view ourselves in relation to this world that is not our home. And that's something that we're going to have to get into our minds. This world is not 
our home. So this is what Peter had to say about us and our relationship to the world. First, we see that we are elect. We are elect. So here's Peter, he's writing to several churches in Asia Minor, and in verse one, he calls the members of those churches elect. And by extension, I mean, he's calling anyone who's a member of the church, those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, you are elect. Now, I know some people freak out at that word, but I mean, it's right there, so not much we can do about it, but what does that mean? It looks back to the Old Testament. It looks back to the people of Israel. Because out of all the people that were in the world at that time, out of all the nations that were formed in the world after the Tower of Babel, God chose one man, Abraham, through whom he would create a people for himself. And so the nation that arose from Abraham was called his chosen, his elect people. The term itself speaks of a people that God draws out from the others to himself. He calls them out for a select purpose and plan so that his will would be accomplished. So God called Abraham out and created the nation of Israel through him. Out of all the nations, he created Israel so that his name would be made known and that they would be the vessel through whom the Messiah would come. Now, we who, are, who believe in Jesus Christ, we are drawn out of all the nations of the world to himself. God has drawn us out of the world to himself, and we too have a purpose. We become his special people who will build his kingdom throughout the world until Christ returns. So we can go out into the world, and we call others out from the world so that they too would believe in Jesus Christ and be part of the elect. So it means that God has chosen for himself a people, a prized possession. The only thing that I can think of to maybe liken it to, to give us a, a little bit of understanding, is the concept of, of adoption, the adoption of children. Now, the child is not biologically born to the parent, but the parent chooses to bring that child into their family, and with that comes all the rights and privileges of being an heir, of being a son or daughter of that parent. The parent calls the child their own and treats them as their own because they chose the child to enter into that relationship, and no one is ever able to change that relationship after that. And so here's what happens with us. We who originally were not a people of God, are now a people of God through Jesus Christ. We were called by God to be made his own. And there's some blessings to knowing this truth. I mean, we're not just saying this so that, okay, I know some theology about what it means to be elect. There's some blessings to know about this truth. First, this truth tells us that we are secure. We are secure in Christ. We are secure with God. No one is able to change our status with God once we have become his. When you are one of the elect, no matter what, how you feel, no matter what your circumstances are, you are a chosen person of God. You belong to him, and he is not going to let you go. But a second blessing is that this means that God has a plan and purpose to extend his will on this earth through you. 
He has a plan and a purpose for you. You are on this pilgrimage, and God is going to use you as you are on this pilgrimage. Now, sometimes it doesn't seem like anything's happening, so, you know, you might be on a holding pattern, but that doesn't mean that God will not use you in the future. I mean, other times your life is going 90 to nothing, but, you know, it, no matter where you are on the journey, no matter where you are on the path, God has you here on this earth. You are a chosen vessel of his for his work to be done. You are one of the elect. You have a valuable purpose for God's saving grace and his redemptive plan. And so that is a blessing. You are a chosen vessel of God to be used by him. That's why you are here. You're not here to, to build your own little empire. You are here for the purposes of God. But now, not only does Peter say that you are elect, secondly, he also says that you are exiled. You're exiled, and that doesn't sound very, very positive, but let me explain what he's talking about, because, you know, you look in verse 1, he says, he calls the church, you are elect exiles. What does that mean? Well, the word means someone who is in a foreign place and is a temporary resident of where they might be. Some translations might say you are chosen strangers, or maybe they use the word sojourners, but the idea is that wherever a person happens to find themselves, they don't, they're not actually a permanent resident of that place. It's a temporary housing. You are in a resting place until you move on toward your destination. And so Peter calls Christians exiles strangers, sojourners, because this world is not our forever home. You know, sometimes you know, when, when animals are adopted from the pound, they, they say that they have found their forever home. Well, we have found our forever home in God. That means that right here is not our forever home. Now, yes, God did create the earth and the whole universe. God did put man on the earth as his imagers to tend the earth, but then sin was introduced in the world, and the world became cursed, and it was no longer the place that God intended. So the world is only fit for those who are cursed like it is, for those who are broken like it is. Once you are in Christ, you will notice within your heart, it's like, I, I don't fit here anymore. I don't belong in this place anymore. This world, this sin-cursed world is no longer fit for a child of God, one of his elect, because he has something better in store for us, right? There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth for the new people that he has created for himself. But until we die or until Christ comes again, we go on this pilgrimage fulfilling his work as the song we sang today, until that day. There is an until that day. And we continue on the journey. 
But we do it with the perspective that this earth is not our home. I mean, I know it might sound a little cheesy, but the gospel song had it right. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Some of us older folk will know that, that song, but that is the concept. This is, I mean, if this was it, oh man, we would be in terrible shape. But we are just here temporarily. This is just a layover. You know, so I, it makes me think about, so this year I'm going to be taking some trips, a mission trip, and other trips, and I'm going to be going on some plane rides, and I'm not a big fan of planes, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And in these trips, one trip I'm going to be in Miami, in a layover in Miami. Another trip I'm probably going to be in a layover in Houston or something. So, you know, I'm going to Miami, find another plane, get on, on that plane. So I'm about an hour and a half in each place. So when I find myself in Miami or I find myself in Houston, am I a permanent resident of that place? Am I a resident of Miami just because I happen to find myself there? Am I a resident of Houston just because I happen to find myself there? Does that make me a resident? No. That's not my home. Miami and Houston are just going to be places that I pass through, just passing through. And Peter is saying, this is how you are to relate to this world. This world is a layover. Yeah, you might be here 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, but this world is not your home. It is a layover until you reach your final destination, until that day. Until that day. So here's the point Peter's making with this. Stop acting like this world is your everything. We spend so much time and money and resources building our little empires here on this earth when in reality it's going to burn someday. It's all going to be gone. Why spend all this time, money, energy, resources on something that is not permanent? You have that perspective in mind. You know, Jesus tells it this way. He tells us not to build treasures here on earth where rust and moth can destroy and thieves can steal. Instead, build treasures in heaven where rust and moth cannot destroy and thieves cannot steal. Now, you know, I'm not saying you can't do anything for yourself here on this earth. I'm not saying you can't provide for your family. I'm not saying, you know, you just got to live in your car and drive around the world preaching Jesus. I mean, if God calls you to do that, fine. But, you know, that's not, that's not the point. What Peter is conveying here is have this perspective of a pilgrim. You are in exile. You are an alien in a foreign country. Don't become so comfortable in this world that you start taking on the thoughts and the actions of this world, and you forget where you really belong. You forget where your residency is. Before you invest so much into this world, don't forget about eternity. I mean, you take so much time and effort and resources investing into this world, how much more should you invest 
so to speak, into where you're going to be permanently. Should you not put the same effort into your final destination and preparing for your final destination and the journey you are on to that final destination? You're, you're in exile. You're an outsider. This world is not your home. So stop trying to live like it is. If that is one of the biggest critiques of the church in our day and age, it is that it has become worldly. It has become worldly because somehow it has gotten this thought that this is where it's at. I mean, I don't think that there is any Christian who would say, that they've completely forgotten about eternity or don't think about... I mean, I don't think anyone would admit that, and yet our actions say something completely different. We forget that we are in exile. And until that day when we see and enter the celestial city, we need to act like it. We are elect exiles. But then third, I use the word extended because I'm Baptist and i got to transliterate. But it does bring the concept because in, in verse 1, he says that we are elect exiles of the dispersion. And, and he calls you know, the original audience the dispersion, but, but he's referring to the fact that, well, they're not in their homeland, and they're just, you know, for them, the ones that he's originally writing to, I mean, they're just kind of dispersed throughout the Roman Empire. He, he specifically names some places in Asia Minor where the letter is going to be distributed, but it reminds all of God's elect exiles that, well, you know what? We are extended throughout this world so that we can fulfill his purposes and plans because God's people are not and they should not be found in just one place, but they are extended throughout the entire world. Now, the, the background of this word dispersion is, again, back to Israel. Israel was God's elect people, but under the Mosaic law, their residency in the promised land was dependent upon their obedience. And so for a while, Israel was found in their one little nation, their one little plot of land. All of Israel was there in the land of Israel. But they became proud and disobedient, and so they, they weren't following God. So the Assyrians came in, and they took the northern kingdom, and then a uh, hundred or so years later, the Babylonians came in and took the southern kingdom, and then all of a sudden, God's people were spread throughout the empire, spread throughout the world. They were forcibly dispersed all over the land. They were no longer in just one place. They were all over the place. That's the dispersion. And then you think about after Pentecost, after Jesus was raised and he ascended and then Pentecost came, you know, most of the church at the time was there in Jerusalem, but then all of a sudden persecution rose up. And what happened? Well, they fled Jerusalem and they were all over the Roman Empire. They were dispersed. They were extended throughout the Roman Empire. 
And in reality, that was God's plan all along. His elect were supposed to be extended throughout the world so that the world would know the grace and the glories of God. I mean, that's what the nation of Israel was supposed to do, but they didn't. And then here's the beauty of the church. The beauty of the church is we are a dispersed people. You know, we're not the only church in the world. There's churches all over the world now. God's elect are extended throughout the entire world with the purpose of letting others know that they too can become one of the elect. Since pilgrims don't have a permanent home, they're temporary residents, and they're spread throughout the earth wherever God wants them to be. God will send them forth wherever he has a purpose for them. So for right now, here we are. We are the elect exiled of Alabama. God has us here because he has plans and purpose, purposes for us here. But here's the thing. He might extend you elsewhere. Wherever will glorify, whatever would glorify his name, whatever his will and purposes, he could send you elsewhere. You know, I think of it this way. Some of you are military or you come from military families. The military extended you all over the world and you moved from place to place. You may have gone to Germany and then to California and then you went here and then you went there. Wherever the assignment was that the military had for you. When I was very, very young, just a baby and toddler, my dad was in the Marines. He was in Okinawa when I was born. When he got back, we went to Camp Lejeune. When we were done at Camp Lejeune, we went to New Jersey. And, you know, you move, you move around. Wherever the assignment is, you are dispersed. You're extended there. Well, we Christians, we are extended to wherever God needs us, wherever he wants us. Right now, here you are. You're in Alabama. And honestly, we find a, a unique situation here in the Huntsville area because there is a dispersion of people from all around the world coming to us. What a unique opportunity. I mean, yeah, we're going to go out and, you know, we're going to Belize in July and things like that. We're, we're, we're going out, but the world is coming to us. We have a great work here. And so that's why you have been dispersed to Alabama to do this great work. So let's invest ourselves in this work. Let's invest ourselves with the little time that we have on this earth to do that great work. And so here's just the first stroke of the portrait. We are elect out of the world. We are elect exiles. This is not our home. We are elect exiles who have been extended throughout the world to do his work. That's our relation to the world, but our relation to the world is based on our relation to God. So let's talk about that. Secondly, let's talk about our relation to the Lord. Because it's our relation to the Lord that is the basis for our relation to the world. So how does he portray this relationship? How are we pilgrims? Well, first, he tells us that we are foreknown. We are foreknown. Reading, you know, if we read verses 1 and 2 together... We are elect exiles of the dispersion according to the foreknowledge of God. I mean, foreknowledge means exactly what you think it is. It's knowing beforehand. God knew we would be one of the elect. God knew he would extend us to wherever we needed to be. God knew he wanted us in Alabama. God knew he had a purpose for us. 
All of this according to his foreknowledge. Now, we have to be very careful with this. Because you've probably heard it said that God looked down the corridor of time and he saw you and he knew what you were going to do. Things like that. We've got to be very careful with that because I would not state things that way. Because of what the words mean and because of the testimony of Scripture. So I don't think supports that. So why do I, why do I say that? Well, because, well, first, because you see words like foreknowledge and election and chosen and predestination and all of that, all of that is based on the attribute of God of him being eternal. And God being eternal is not something that our finite little minds are going to grasp. You know, we, here we are, we're trying to figure it out and we're thinking that we can, we can understand God. I mean, us little humans think we're going to understand God. I mean, he has revealed himself, but guess what? He's God. There's some things about God that we're just not going to be able to hold on to, going to be able to grasp. God is eternal. He has all knowledge about all times and all places because he is everywhere at all times. It's all connected to him being eternal. He's not bound by time or space, so he knows everything. He's everywhere present. And we have to be okay with all this. We have to be okay with the fact that according to his eternal character, God foreknows, God elects, God predestines, and we are personally responsible. We are responsible to believe. We are responsible to obey. So God, eternal God, he chooses, he elects, he foreknows, he predestines, blah, blah, blah. We're, we're responsible. There's a tension there. Yes, there is a tension there. And we're going to have to be okay with that tension. I mean, I know, especially with a group of scientists and engineers and things like that, we want to know the answer. There has to be a final, final answer. There has to be a solution to this problem. We don't like tension like that. Well, here's the thing. We're going to have to be okay with that tension. God elects, God foreknows, God predestines. All those words are in Scripture. Man is responsible. Man has to believe. Man has to... How does that go together? I don't know. All I know is the Bible says it. But, but there's a tension there. Yeah. And we're going to have to be okay with that. Sometimes it... Sometimes it's going to be okay to say, I don't get it, and just trust. You know what? I may not be able to get every fine detail down about how God works, but I will trust the things in Scripture that I do understand that he has revealed about himself. And we're good with that. We trust God. And so saying all that, so this foreknowledge has to do with his eternal character, but the second reason I don't like saying the whole look down the corridor of time thing is because of what the word foreknow means. Because that word foreknowledge, it doesn't merely mean that God knew before it happened, like it was some sort of passive thing, like God was just sitting back watching his TV and saying, oh, look, that person's going to believe. Because the, the word itself portrays a concept of relationship and centering one's attention on something. So if you think 
before what I was talking about gave you a headache, just wait. I'll give you, I'll give you some more. Because God is eternal, before we were even born, he was able to center his attention, he was able to center his sights on us and build relationship with us. We may not be able to get it, but there it is, foreknowledge. And so think about what this means for us. Regardless of whether or not we're able to understand the whole foreknowledge and election thing, at a bare minimum, if you are a Christian, if you have believed in Jesus Christ in a sense, now don't let this go to your head, but in a sense, you are the center of God's attention and he has been building relationship with you. And that means that your present feelings and your present circumstances have no say or bearing on the fact of the promise of Scripture that you have been an eternal focus of God's love and mercy and grace. From eternity, whatever in the world that means, God knew you, he elected you, he built a relationship with you, and it's not going to change. Again, we are secure. So now, if you are feeling lonely in this pilgrimage on this earth, if you feel abandoned, if you feel like he just has left you, you can confidently carry on knowing that God foreknew you intimately, and he still knows you in a very personal way. That's his foreknowledge. He knew you in what we would call the past. He knows you in what we would call the present, and he will know you in what we would call the future in a very intimate, personal way. No, you are not alone. In a sense, from eternity, God has known you. And that should give you some peace and comfort through the journey that you go through. But not only, not only were we foreknown, we are formed. We are formed. Peter says in verse 2 that God's foreknowledge of us is in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ. And so that word sanctification means going through the process of being made holy. But again, this holiness is not, you know, we merely sit back and like God would zap us with holiness or something like that. It, it, it's a cooperation, it's a process where we cooperate with the Holy Spirit to bring us to greater obedience to God. Now, it doesn't lead to perfect obedience on this earth, but I mean, as the years pass by, you know, we become more obedient. And so Peter is saying that we are elect according to God's foreknowledge for greater obedience. Now, that obedience is first obeying the call of the gospel of Jesus Christ, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and being saved, believing that he died for you, that he rose again. And then you're given the indwelling Holy Spirit who works in you to become holy, holier. Toward greater obedience. And the holier you become, the greater the obedience. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. So part of the elect is being formed into the image of Christ. The Holy Spirit molds us into what we have been elected to become. That's the sanctification. You know, think about a sculptor taking a uh, large piece of granite. And some sculptors have described the process 
as being, well, you know, the, the, the image was always in there. I was just chipping away at the things that were not part of that image. You know, supposedly, this is legend, but supposedly Michelangelo, Michelangelo said that about David, the statue David. I mean, here was this big piece of granite, and he says, I just chipped away everything that wasn't David. And I left David there. Well, in a sense, the process of sanctification is the Holy Spirit, he's chipping away the things that aren't Christ in us. He's trying to take those things away. He's molding us and shaping us to be like Christ. I mean, very rough illustration, but that's the work of the Holy Spirit forming us. But then, finally, just so we know, and you know, we're kind of working backwards here, but we're forgiven. We are forgiven because Peter says that these elect exiles have been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. That looks back to the Old Testament, where the cleansing rituals of the Jews would, you know, they'd have to go through all these things to be ritually clean. They'd have to kill all these animals and, and uh, shed their blood and put the blood here and put the blood there. The sins of people had to be covered with blood. I mean, that is the, the calling of, I mean, the Scripture says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But the problem with the Old Testament system was they had to kill animals over and over and over and over and over again. But Christ died, and he died once for all. And that's it. He shed his blood so we could be forgiven. We're forgiven. We are formed into the likeness of Christ. God foreknew all of this, so we are elect exiles who are extended throughout the world to do his work. This is our pilgrimage, and this is the portrait we need to see of ourselves if we are going to have a healthy walk with God in this life. The devil is going to try and send all of these lies to us, but we do not and cannot believe them. We, remember, you're elect. You belong to God. God has taken you out of this world, and now, in a spiritual sense, you are still in the world. You're not of the world. You are an exile in a foreign land. This isn't your permanent home. If this is not my permanent home, I'm not going to build me an empire here. I'm not going to make this my everything. I'm just passing through so that I can fulfill the calling that he has on my life. That's the portrait. I want to go to the last slide. I think, hopefully I have last slide there. So this is, and I, I could not for the life of me find out who the artist is, but this is a picture of Christian the Pilgrim in Pilgrim's Progress. Nice painting there. Christ through what is called uh, the uh, evangelist. It sends forth Christian on this pilgrimage. And Christ, through the Holy Spirit, has sent us on this pilgrimage. And this portrait of who we are that Peter has given to us in just these first, in these introductory verses, that should be in the back of our minds while we go through the whole pilgrimage process, while we are progressing in our pilgrimage, so that we can fully understand who we are to the world, who we are to the Lord, that helps us in our walk with him. 
if we have a skewed idea of who we are in this world and who we are to Christ, the pilgrimage is going to be very hard. So we've got to remember this portrait that is found in Scripture. And so Christian, maybe you've made yourself way too comfortable in this world. Instead of living like a temporary resident like you are, you've been living to, for riches, for glory, for fame, for whatever, for the things of this world. Come to the altar and repent and ask God to give you the right perspective. Give you a mind of truth. It's only when you have the mind of truth that you'll be able to get through the pilgrimage in the way that you're supposed to be getting through the pilgrimage. But maybe some of you haven't even started the pilgrimage because you haven't yet believed in Christ. Today is the day. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved during the invitation. I'll be up front and uh, I would love to introduce you to my Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.